Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here this morning. I welcome our members, our friends, also our, our teachers and our children to the Congregation of Prayer. We come to you each morning, Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. And uh, that way you can pray together uh, through God's Word, provide that discipline of daily prayer, which is a good habit, uh, much like eating well and exercising. This is, of course, food and care for your soul and your eternal welfare, even better. Um, let's see, our catechesis today will be in continuing 1 Kings chapter 21, um, more with Ahab and Jezebel. All right, let's get it up on the screen. Here we go. Let's begin. Say it with me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And the dead. I Amen. <laughs> All right. I was just checking to make sure the stream was working, and uh, you heard it. Let's also say our memory verse for this week. Um, say it after me. We'll try it that way first. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53, verse 5. All right, I couldn't hear you. <laughs> I know you were speaking. Uh, let's try to say it all together now. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53, verse 5. All right, our psalm for this week is Psalm 131. Let's say it all together. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our first reading today is from 1 Corinthians now chapter 4. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. 
Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will bring both bring to light the things hidden. Excuse me, let's try that again. Until the Lord comes, who will bring, uh, who will both bring to light the things hidden, the hidden things of darkness. I have a different translation in my head. All right, let's start the sentence over. <laughs> Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure, being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscoring of all things until now. There ends the reading. All right, now you hear the problem uh, when you have a verse memorized in a different translation, when you stumble upon it in another. Here Paul, again, is talking as an apostle, uh, representing both himself, but also Apollos, and saying, uh, uh, acknowledging that it's better to receive um, than to, to give, right? And so here the congregation of Corinth has been substantially blessed and made rich um, through Christ, but through the work of the apostles. But you notice the... Um, character of the apostles is one of being persecuted and being struck down and being attacked. And of course, this is uh, Satan's tactic. He doesn't go after those um, who receive. He goes after those who give, right? So he attacks uh, the pastors. He attacks the teachers in the church. He attacks um, the lay leaders, those uh, who represent the congregation, because by striking the shepherd, so to speak, um, the sheep will scatter, just as Jesus was struck and his uh, disciples scattered and hid for fear of their life in the upper room until uh, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them at Pentecost, right? And then they were given courage and boldness by the Spirit, not by their own strength. Uh, of course, you can hear more about this idea <laughs> of the life of the Christian being a life lived under the cross, whether you're a pastor or a teacher, or even just as a lay person. Um, that was in the sermon last night for all saints, which you can go and uh, watch on Facebook or on YouTube or listen on our podcast. All right, so go check that out. Moving along then, our reading for catechesis today. And again, children, this is a continuation of our readings about Elijah and Ahab and Jezebel, Ahab being the, the king of Israel and Jezebel being his murderous and uh, idolatrous wife from Sidon. She was the daughter of the king of Sidonians came to pass after all after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, 
because it is near next to my house. And for it, I will give you a vineyard better than it. Or if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. So Ahab went into his house sullen and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. But Jezebel, Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? He said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else if it please you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, You now exercise authority over Israel. Arise, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful, and I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent the letters to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city of Naboth. She wrote in the letters, saying, Proclaim a fast, and seat Naboth with high honor among the people, and seat two men, scoundrels, before him to bear witness against him, saying, You have blasphemed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him that he may die. So the men of his city, the elders and nobles, who were inhabitants of his city, did as Jezebel had sent to them, as it was written in the letters which he had sent to them. They proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth with high honor among the people. And two men, scoundrels, came came in and sat before him, and the scoundrels witnessed against him, saying, or against him, against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. Then they took him outside the city and stoned him with stones so that he died. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. And it came to pass, when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. And so it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. All right, there ends the reading. Before we start, uh, remember when we read the scriptures, especially the Old Testament, we always keep in mind the words of Jesus when he said, um, all scripture, all scripture testifies of me. So we want to look to how this story um, leads us to better understand maybe the words of Jesus, the life of Jesus, etc. Right? So think about that as we go through it here. Uh, one of the contexts that Jesus uses frequently, um, along with the prophets, is that of a vineyard. Right. So what's the importance of a vineyard? And we have the vineyard of Naboth here at the beginning. You might think of Isaiah chapter 5. I'll share some of that with you. Um, we hear this on Good Friday in the afternoon or at least a version of it. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? 
And now please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it shall be burned and break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug, but it shall come up with briars and thorns. I will command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression, for righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. All right, so that's the first part. And again, we sing that, I sing that rather, the pastor, um, because it's the word of the Lord, it's the word of Jesus, and we could call it, um, oh, it's on Good Friday, it's called the part of the reproaches, the reproaches, right? Um, but here again, he tells you exactly what he's talking about. The vineyard is the house of Israel, um, and the men of Judah are the pleasant plant, right? Um, Jesus himself uses that same picture then. It's not too much to apply it to the word of Jesus. In John 15, right? Remember when he says, I am the vine and you are, well, I'll say it. I am the vine and you are the branches, but I think it starts this way. Yeah, there it is. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. I talked about the brush fire on Sunday. All right, it's right from that text. So um, maybe to summarize here, the background of vineyards in both Old and New Testament is, again, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. Vineyards are part of the language of inheritance and are signs, <clears throat> broadly speaking then, of God's faithfulness to his promise to Abraham to give life and to provide a savior to all the nations. All right, so that's a lot of background, um, but that will help you understand then the story as a sign of Jesus. So what do you think then is wrong uh, with Ahab's desire to turn this vineyard into a vegetable garden. All right, well, the vineyard, of course, is the inheritance, um, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, a vineyard is a picture of joy, actually, in the Bible, because um, the wine is a, gives joy to the people, right? Of course, it can be abused, <laughs> too much of a good thing, right? But generally, uh, wine is seen as a sign of joy given by God for his people, Israel. What do we need to remember then about um, inheritance, especially when it comes to the Israelites? Right, Canaan was given to Israel as an inheritance. Yeah, the givenness, right? It's a gracious gift from God. So to take a gift from God and to sell it um, is to abuse it. Mm, so apply that now. Why does Naboth refuse to give away his vineyard, even to the king? He understands this inheritance um, as given to him by God, right? and as a sign of the Lord's promise to preserve him and his family. All right. So when Ahab um, goes to his house and he's all grumpy and he's whining about how he can't take away the inheritance of uh, Naboth, turning away his face and pouting. Yeah, that's the right word. He's pouting. He's kind of a silly man. Now, what commandments is he breaking here? All right. It's the ninth and 10th commandment, right? Starts with his eyes. He sees something that he wants. Those are the commandments about coveting your neighbor's um, house, his possessions, his wife, his animals, his land in this case. Ninth and 10th commandment. 
Um, to covet, you know, do you remember what that means? To covet. I gave you a hint. It, it has to do with your eyes. But the eyes then connect to the heart, right? So to desire or to possess something or someone that has not been given to you by God. Right? Uh, we sometimes use the word greedy, but greedy we usually connect to, to wealth. But it can be um, it can be anything and anyone, actually. All right, so what's Jezebel say? Yeah, she told Naboth um, to get up and eat, right? Where is that here? Yeah, arise, take food, verse 7. Let your heart be cheerful. I will give you... Uh, I will use your authority to get you uh, the vineyard. All right. See, that's what he, she says back uh, right here, right? Exercise authority over Israel. Um, of course, authority doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. It means you have to exercise the authority that you've been given. Has he been given permission as king to take what he wants? Or is that actually a, a misuse of his authority as king? Yeah, it's a misuse. All right, so she takes action using his authority, right? Using his name, his authority is attached to his name and his seal. He sends a letter, she sends a letter, I should say, in his behalf um, to the elders and nobles of Naboth's city, right? And the letter says, right here, verse 9 and 10, proclaim a fast, right? A day of fasting. And then uh, put Naboth in the midst of a of the people, and then bring two scoundrels, that's, uh, false witnesses, right, to testify that he's blasphemed against God and spoken against the king. And then because he's blasphemed against God, they can go and stone him, as is the curse or the punishment for blasphemy, um, stone him to death. All right. So um, just as was commanded by the king, oh, well, really by Jezebel, but using the king's authority, misusing the king's authority, um, they do as as he commands, right? They follow his orders and set two scoundrels before um, Naboth with false charges, right? That he has blasphemed God. Now that should sound really familiar to you. Bringing forth witnesses with the false charge of blasphemy. Remember, this is this is uh, a scripture that testifies of Christ, as they all do. Think of Jesus before Pontius Pilate and. Uh, in the Gospels, we could use Matthew, just Matthew 26. Uh, I have to scroll a little bit here. 59, I think is where, yeah, there it is. Listen to this. And those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the uh, scribes and elders were assembled, the nobles and elders. Look at that. Peter followed at a distance. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, listen to this, two false witnesses came forward, two scoundrels, and said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and build it in three days. All right? Which is, then the accusation comes of blasphemy against God. So just like Jesus was accused before Pontius Pilate, with two false witnesses, two scoundrels, so here. Um, and then, of course, when else was someone in uh, the New Testament taken out and stoned with the charge of blasphemy? 
Well, that would be the first martyr of the church in Acts, right? St. Stephen. St. Stephen. Listen to this. Um, This is when Stephen's put on trial. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. And then listen to this. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and the law, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat on the council, looking steadfastly, him, saw in him the face of an angel. Isn't that something? All right, so later uh, when, um, I think this is Peter testifies. Oh no, this is actually uh, Stephen's own sermon to them (laughs) in his testimony. He says this, listen to this. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he being full of the spirit, Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Jesus, receive my spirit. Isn't that something? All right, so we have both in the life of Jesus and then the life of the apostles, especially the first martyr there, St. Stephen. Um, these false witnesses coming forward with the charge of, again, blasphemy. All right. Um, this also should bring to mind, <laughs> this whole story should bring to mind a parable of Jesus that we hear every year. And we'll, I think we uh, will hear it in the next few weeks. I'm not sure if it'll be on Sunday or Wednesday, but it's the uh, parable of the wicked tenants of the vineyard, right? Again, a vineyard. This was a sermon that Jesus preached or a parable that Jesus taught, depending on how you want to look at it, um, on, I think, Holy Monday. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now, when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. Right, And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did likewise to them. Then, last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him. Here's the key again to our story. And seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to the vine dressers? Jesus asks. They said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. Or in due season, if you like. Jesus said to them, and then he confesses that he is the son who came and they are the vine dressers who have been murdering the prophets who've come before and now will murder him too. It's Holy Week after all. All right, so... um, It happens exactly as Jezebel commands. And then what does Naboth do after uh, Jezebel uh, gets word that Naboth has been stoned and dead? She says to Ahab, arise and take the vineyard of Naboth, right? And then what does he do? He goes down and takes possession of that vineyard. All right, so we see in Ahab and Jezebel, 
um, actually a picture of what happens to Christ um, during Holy Week, uh, what Ahab is in effect doing to the vineyard that God has planted is he's abusing it and destroying it, right? Which is Israel. So here's a summary uh, of what we have just talked about. An inheritance is a gift which you have not earned. The Lord had given each family a portion of land of the land of Israel as their inheritance. That inheritance of land was a sign of the promise given to Abraham that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through him. Ahab asked Naboth to sell him what was given by God to Naboth's family as a gift. If Naboth forsook the land for profit, he would be rejecting, also rejecting the promise of salvation and an, and an eternal inheritance. Fittingly, Naboth was treated in the same way as the one who fulfilled the promise to Abraham. Ahab thought to gain the inheritance for himself, but the inheritance indicated by the sign could not be taken away from Naboth. So also, here's applying to you, the inheritance promised in the waters of baptism cannot be removed from the new Israel, that is, all those who live by faith in Christ. In faith, we daily claim our inheritance by making the sign of the cross and reciting the word of God attached to our baptism. This is the way the covetous flesh we have inherited from Adam is drowned and dies so that only Christ, our inheritance, lives in us. And I can't help but think of um, Luther's hymn on Psalm 46, the last stanza where he says, Take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife, though these all be gone, the victory has been won, the kingdom ours remaineth. The kingdom is our remaining inheritance, even if they take our life and everything else that belongs to us. They cannot take that away from me. <laughs> all right, let's confess our catechism for this week, the explanation to the second article. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he has risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. Let's pray our collect for this week. You can see it on the screen. Say it with me. Almighty and gracious Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us steadfast in your grace and truth. Protect and deliver us in times of temptation. Defend us against all enemies and grant to your church your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. On this Thursday, let's pray for the church and her pastors, for all missionaries, teachers, deaconesses, and other servants of Christ in his church, for the fruitful and salutary use of the blessed sacrament of the Lord's body and blood. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray this day in Thanksgiving with Mason, who celebrates his birthday with Amy and Lydia, who both celebrate their baptism. We pray for our households, especially that of Jessica, Alex and Emma, Jim and Elaine, Ashley, Robert, and Jim and Karen. We pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Kelsey, Ron, Joel, Amanda, Dan, Timothy, and Janice, Sandy, Ken, Norman, Sandy, Kathy, and Mike. Pray for our homebound, Bev, David, Roy, Willis, Mickey, and Paul. We pray for all 
the missions and mercy work of the church, but especially this month for the Federowitz family. We ask the Lord to give us victory over the world. And we pray for those grieving, especially um, the family and friends of Reverend John Herzog, um, especially with those who travel for his funeral. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, let's sing our hymn. Stanzas 6 through 10 of Salvation Unto Us Has Come. Unceasing 
and by its fruits true faith is known, with love and hope increasing. For faith alone can justify, work serve our neighbor and supply the proof that faith is living. O blessing on earth, thanks and praise to Father, Son, and Spirit, the God who saved us by His grace, all glory to His merit, O joy you God in heaven above, you have revealed your saving God, your blessed name. We are all right, so good to have you with us all here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Come to you each morning at 9 a.m. We'll be with you again tomorrow morning, children, especially. Uh, be sure to join in. You can actually join a couple minutes before 9 um, if that works for you. I usually have some music playing uh, to get you ready. Uh, we'll continue to hear the Lord's response to Ahab and Jezebel's action. Uh, of course, Ahab bears all the blame, uh, being not only the head of the household, but also the king. And we'll hear Elijah return to him and pronounce judgment upon him. All right. Uh, and that'll be our reading for tomorrow. So join us again at 9 a.m. And uh, it's good to have you all here with us. We'll see you then. God's blessings. <music>